All right, so welcome in. We're going to dive into, of course, the metaverse today, jump into a lot of things around Illuvium's new beta release in Overworld as well. Uh, we'll have a special guest for you guys. So we're going to break down a lot that I think you guys are going to love. If you are metaverse friendly, this might be the episode for you. My name is Paul Barron. Welcome back into Metaverse Insider. Let's get into it today, and that is with Mr. Andrew Wall, none other than the Illuvium, the Illuvium, Illuvial, but in real life. <laughs> Great this is to me have you in real check. life right here, man. Hey, thanks for having me on, Paul. I'm excited to talk about AR, VR, the metaverse, all these topics. Let's do it, buddy. It's going to be fun. It's going to be fun. Uh, and Andrew's been on our show a couple of times, so we've, we've had a chance to kind of banter back and forth on different areas of where the industry is going. I want to get into it with you, Andrew, around the potential growth of where metaverse in general, obviously this show, Metaverse Insider, even though we cover NFTs, blockchain gaming, et cetera, the core is around Web3 and kind of the evolution of what's happening right now because we're seeing a lot of potential around what MetaQuest has been doing, obviously through Meta, uh, a lot of what we're seeing from the device side of things, as well as the potential from the brand applications that we've seen with .swoosh and others that are starting to move in this, into this direction. And I want to bring up a tweet real quick. This is uh, uh, Adel, and he, or Adele, he talks a little bit about, let me highlight this uh, tweet so it's going to show it, uh, his Web3 deal flow breakdown. And mainly what he's looking at is where is some of the growth of where technology is going. And metaverse, in reality, based outside of, you know, if you just think about the financial side of things, data analytics, financial tools, all that stuff, but you flip over into the growth sectors, wallets, NFT communities, metaverse, uh, lightning, music, gaming, etc. Metaverse has really kind of actually started to show up on the pie chart here. And to me, that was the first sign of, okay, wait a minute. I felt like we were quite a ways away from really seeing metaverse become a thing. Mm. Uh, and it was going to take a lot of trials, a lot of stops and starts. And this started making me think that maybe there's something within reach here. When you think about just metaverse in general uh, and where the market is right now, especially because the market obviously in a lot of pain, do you feel like this is still a long-term project or do you feel like we are in maybe the perfect building environment? Uh, I mean, that's definitely a euphemism right there, the perfect building environment. Uh, when, you know, projects are down 70 to 90%, that's the spin everyone's giving, right? It's time to build. Yes. It's time to put your head down and build. The yeah. metric that you just showed is interesting, but I think that what it shows is not that metaverse is here, but that metaverse will be here in the future. I think that small sliver of the pie there in terms of investment is representative of, let's say, a, a flyer. Let's say that some investment firms and what have you are making. They know this metaverse thing, whatever it is, they probably don't even know what it is, will be happening in the future, maybe. So we're gonna allocate a small multi-single digit percentage of our investment portfolio toward this new technology as a flyer, as maybe it'll work out, maybe it won't. If you're starting to see that investment side creep in now, that means that maybe over the next five to seven years, that money will start to pay off, some of the innovations will land, and then we'll reach mass adoption after that. But seeing the yeah. investment money go in now, to me, that's an indicator that we're further out than a lot of people think. A lot of people think it's here and it's about to bull market blow up and go into infinity. Yeah. I don't think so. I think this is an early, early market, primordial goo early market indicator that you just showed. Follow the money. Yeah. Well, the money's just starting to come in 
which means the results are further down the timeline. Yeah, I think, well, remember, too, this being, you know, kind of from the early stage financial side of things, in what we've seen in the VC side, we know a lot of the VC dollars are drying up in the space, especially in Web3, obviously because of some of the, you know, the meltdowns that we've seen from FTX, Alameda, you name the your flavor, and uh, all of the major VC firms that were essentially kind of really pushing into more money. I look at it from another side, and that is the fact that we've consensed, even though the, the VC side of things, when the VC money is coming in uh, in a trickle space, it always tells me that there's big money coming somewhere else that's not being tracked. And I typically look at what are the companies that are working on stuff like this behind the scenes. Meta, of course, you know, got a tremendous amount of flack uh, for the amount of money that they put into Metaverse and the expansion of MetaQuest 2. Um, and MetaQuest in general. And I think when you look at what they've done just in one year, it will show a few things. And I know you have some opinions on on the on the uh, on, on MetaQuest rapid on their on their device, but we'll talk about rapid growth too. But the point being is that I think there's a lot of hidden money here that's not being tracked. And this is what I call black money. And it's it's typically uh, what basically creates these markets coming out. And let me explain to you why I think this is huge. So in the early stages of the uh, launch and the development of mobile, we had kind of this positioning, we'll call them the Web 2 era. That was, everything was going along, nobody had problems, everything, it, it was like, why do we need something else, right? And what happened was there was a lot of black money being built and, and really centered around recreating an experience in a completely new way. That was the iPhone. Now, Apple, of course, we didn't have Mark Gurman at the time, you know, so we didn't get all those leaks. But the point is, is that Apple dropped that on the, on the industry in a period of time. I think that Apple, Meta, maybe even Google to a certain extent, maybe Microsoft are all in the throes of black money just going into these holes of building this product out. You look at Nike uh, and what they did with Dot Swoosh, I think that's another good example. You think Nike just pooped that out? No way. That was a, strat a strategic deployment that took months and months of movement, and I think they're going to they're going to do something big with it. I want to jump to this tweet. After uh, NF uh, FTX disaster, traditional money uh, are more active. NFT and Web three get less funding, just like what I just talked about. Total raise about three hundred seventy eight million, and then you look at the metaverse funding right here, uh, raised by category and uh, infrastructure mostly gaming. NFT, Web3, security, data, so on. The point being is that we're seeing some slight movement. To me, this means nothing. It, what I'm looking yeah. at in, into where the real money is being spent is in these black coffers that are inside these P&Ls that are rarely exposed because if they expose too much of that, it, it of course shows the hand of what's happening. So I still believe we're going to be getting a surprise from Apple uh, and I think we're going to get a surprise from Google next year as well. Obviously, is it really going to be a surprise, gonna... though, Paul? Is it really, though? I mean, given the amount of chatter and leaks that are coming in from uh, different sources around Apple's AR glasses, I feel yeah. like we have a fairly good idea of what's going to happen there. Um, you know, I, as I far think, as Google well, is concerned, they're playing the cards close to the chest. Yes. But we, I think it's clear that they are working on something. And it's we have some idea of what the product might be like. Uh, but it may be further out than we think. And when they yeah. do launch these products, everybody always talks about the iPhone. 
like it was this blockbuster product that changed the world instantly. The first <laughs> iPhone did not change the world instantly. The what first are you talking about, Andrew? Of... You crazy? That is the that is the one device that reset human nature, human technology forever. I, I know, I know it eventually did, but right eventually. when it launched, uh, when it, uh, right when it launched, it didn't have as and that many apps. It took a few generations <laughs> till about iPhone three or iPhone four for it to really take off and reach the complete mass adoption version of the See, iPhone narrative we all right have in here, our head. This right here, it just reminds me of those kinds of things that, cause I was a, you know, a, a huge tech, uh, involved in a, a huge tech community at that time when this launched. And when we were building, I was working with Microsoft, you know, at that time when Steve pulled that rabbit out of the hat, the shit that we went through from a technology standpoint, I mean, the scrambling that it put Microsoft into was undeniably the most, we were worried that it was over for us in terms, and, and it was because Windows Phone never made it off the, off the mat. iPhone, of course, just, just, just demolished the, the race before it ever got started. That's what I'm concerned about, especially with metaverse, because I am, I am thinking that if Apple does come in and pull another rabbit out of the hat, they could come in and demolish the field pretty quickly. I don't know. We'll see how that plays out. But if you look at, this is something that I think is relevant. I was looking at the, just the Reddit collectible avatar holders, okay? Look at this climb right here. I mean, this is unprecedented. In I mean, this is literally, this isn't even a bell curve. This is just up and to the right. And this starts to really represent something, I think, in the, in the space of where we're going to see more and more involvement of not only deployment you know, platforms like Reddit, but also companies and projects that are going to look at these as blueprints for how do we, how do we roll this out. So I'm just thinking, you know, this is going to really open up some very interesting uh, components in the future. Is there, what is, what's your response to what's happening with, with the success of Reddit? and what they've been able to do with their, their NFT integrations. Right. So our avatar is like the way to go here. Like, is that the thing that yeah. everybody's going to take on? Are they going to use Reddit as an example for success? And the answer is yes. Here in phase one of folks jumping into Web3, yes, they are. And this is a great case study that shows everybody it's okay to jump into the water. Right. We just saw Donald Trump uh, launch his line of NFTs as well, following the joke. same thing. And, and here's... Well, you could think it's a joke or not, but hey, if it sells, it's, and he's the best of the best, he's better than Washington and Lincoln, okay, according well, to it his gets back, it, it, Yeah, it gets back to that, it gets into a, a political, I mean, I, I look at that and I think strategic-wise, this was Trump's opportunity to create something that could have been really politically moving for him, and instead he went the superhero route, which was the wrong route. I'm just thinking, creatively, that was the wrong route. What he did was the right thing, but the way he did it is in my opinion, what makes him Donald Trump. Now, yeah, many people- And that, that's what his followers want. That's why I mentioned sure. the Washington and Lincoln thing is because that's how he rolled it out. That's his personality. So Reddit was successful with their NFT rollout because they rolled it out in an organic way that worked for their community. The art was created by their community, by artists that were already on Reddit. And it was rolled out in this kind of organic way where they didn't mention any NFT or crypto stuff. And the Reddit community took to it. Trump rolled out his NFTs. I did, did a caricature of it just now in the yeah. way that his followers want Trump to talk. They want exactly. him to say he's the best of the best. So here's what I think about avatars <laughs> That's true. moving That's forward. True. That's true. Um, and it was the right move for Trump. 
So here's what I think about avatars. Phase one, yes. This The reason why avatars are working right now is because this is digital real estate, if you will, that's available in Web2 for NFTs right now. Every platform game Web2 service has an avatar field that needs to be filled. And to date, there's been very little, if not zero creativity or innovation with that aspect of social identity to this point yeah. over the last 15 years with social media platforms, online gaming platforms, and what have you. So you have to ask yourself, what's the next big thing? So the well, other you know digital real be. estate, you know what it's going to what, what be. You, what mean, do you think it's going to be, Paul? I think it's going to be Instagram and Meta. I think they're the ones that will that will make they will mainstream this. You know, Reddit is still, we'll call it what it is. You know, it's a it's a cult community. It it has, um, we'll call them. I'm a geek. I'm proud of it. I would be in a Reddit community, of course. But there's a lot of people that are on Instagram would never be in a Reddit community, so they're not mainstreamed. And I think that's going to be the key here is when when Meta really plugs this into to Instagram and we start to see that kind of innovation around it, I think that changes the game a bit, especially with the fact that we've seen Nike kind of already jumping into the space with what they've done with Artifact, which is phenomenal. I mean, that model of what they're trying to do is fantastic for the fashion industry. And it's going to be, I would say within a year, I hope you guys are coming back to this show a year from now or even before and writing in the comments below going, Paul was right that this is going to transform fashion. The fashion industry is going to move in this direction in, in terms of where Web3 and Metaverse will go. Because I think we are ready. We just had the, uh, the Ready Player Me guys on. Um, and listening to what he had to say started to make me think, really, we are very close to that point. It's still very early, I would agree with you, but I don't think it's very far away before we start to yeah. see this integration. I've seen this in my own uh, professional life. I'm a guest lecturer at Parsons School of Design. It's one of the top fashion schools in New York. Yep. And they were asking me about, they brought me in as a guest lecturer regularly to talk about uh, metaverse and to help educate them on NFTs. They all yep. understand that this is a key part of their strategy moving forward. They had a lot less questions to ask about TikTok, Instagram, YouTube strategies, sure. and a lot more questions to ask about, um, you know, NFT technologies, which blockchains were viable, which exactly. platforms are the is the attention on because they know that's the future of the fashion industry. So you have to yeah. ask. So so we both agree, avatars will be mass adopted across everything, and it's by it's by it's by virtue of the fact that this real estate is available, if you will, on every platform for an avatar. And there's been almost no, in, there's been almost no innovation. But if you look at what other real estate is available for innovation here for Web3 to break into, let's just break it down really quick. Voice, okay. we've already seen a lot of innovation on voice. You've got voice changers, live closed captioning, AI generated script reads. There's already been innovation on voice. And so there isn't yeah. as much room for Web3 to capitalize. Okay, face cams, cameras like we're using right now. We already see VTubers with animated 3D versions making yep. themselves react in real time. Background replacement, deep fakes, lots of innovation. We don't need Web3 for that necessarily. Nope. Images, AI art generating any image you can imagine already have innovation. We don't necessarily need uh, Web3. Okay, then the last piece, text. I'm breaking down all of the components of social yep. media and all the platforms that use text. We have AI, script writing, chat bots, spam bots, lots of innovation there. So what real estate is left over for web, for web three to innovate in? There's two parts. Part number one is live. So there has been little innovation in the past 15 years for live content, period.
The only things yep. that have been added have been engagement mechanics like live chat and most yep. innovation in the live space since I, I was a full-time Twitch streamer 15 years ago is the yep. monetary innovation where you can get donations, subscriptions, and, uh, and contribute more easily to your favorite creators. So there's very little innovation on live. I think that's a wide open space that Web3 can innovate. And then the other side is gaming. I, I, please don't take this as an insult gaming industry, but there has been little innovation, we'll call it in yeah, air quotes, exactly. over the past 15 years in gaming outside of improving graphics, fidelity, improving online systems and processes, yeah. and shifting the business model to free to play. So the reason why I bring that up as like, a, what's the macro opportunities in metaverse right now? Just like the last tech cycle we went through 10, 15 years ago, Paul, yep. this time the innovation is gonna be led by live and gaming. We saw an explosive growth in the creator space about yeah. 10, 12 years ago when gaming was already, we already had compelling game experiences and people were looking for more. And then we were able to layer Twitch on top of that with a live experience to make that gaming experience and watching people play games be a novel experience. And that drove innovation and that right. drove the social media revolution, the gaming industry forward, and broke down a lot of the barriers between us interacting with each other on the internet. So I think with metaverse moving forward, avatars locked in, everybody's doing that. But there's not that much additional opportunity outside of live and gaming. So I think that's where we're gonna see the explosive growth opportunities because of innovation. Everything else is just gonna be an improvement on something that already exists. Yeah, there, there are certain aspects of way, the way that technology evolves over, and I've seen you know, the tech cycles come and go, a uh, variety of different uh, elements that have evolved from one bubble to the next. And this is really is uh, in a position, I think, right now that's no different. I would call this kind of Web 2.5, which is typically the last yeah. leg of, the, um, of these, you know, these sector growth potentials. Uh, and it's usually... In the last sector, there's not a lot of innovation. It, it usually means that you've run out of runway uh, to really take something to the next level. So I think that's going to be the, the big factor there. Back to your point, I do agree live, I think, will be a big part of that. Social will most likely uh, start to work its way in there because of live. I think just if you just think about what Twitter Spaces has been able to do, accomplish in a very short period of time. If Elon does the right thing with Twitter Spaces and he flips that over to a video product, he creates that some way in a Web3 connection. We tie that into a Web3 identity. Avatar starts flowing in. Now we have a different game. And those are the kind of leaps forward that I'm looking for. But I'm, I'm actually in the feeling that because I think there's so much dark money coming at this industry right now that people don't want to know you know, to know that they're working on this, uh, mm -hmm. that that might be a little bit closer than not. But I do agree with you. I think you're, you're, you're dead on in the two areas. Have you seen anything in the live space that at least in the early stages has been able to come in and say, hey, this is interesting, um, this is a potential opportunity here, or even if it's a nascent technology or project, have you seen anything that you like? Yeah, as far as live is concerned, it's similar to what you're describing. So yeah. there's, a, there's hundreds of plug and play metaverse platforms out there where you can generate a live experience with other people, um, similar to VR chat and everything that folks are familiar with. And you can do varying levels of interaction with a varying number of people. So the lower fidelity, lower graphics experiences 
are able to support hundreds of people. I, I, I advise a few startups that are in this space. And then the higher fidelity graphics uh, platforms can only really support 10 or less people right now. Right. So we've got significant hardware limitations that's creating this laughable scenario that we're in right now when we look at things like Horizon Worlds. Uh, so yeah. people laughed at, laugh at the graphical fidelity of, of uh, the Zucks Horizon Worlds and how uh, poor the avatars look and the graphics look. It's simply a scalability issue, especially when we're trying to put those experiences through a piece of hardware like this. Uh, and yeah. so for me, I think we're still a few generations away from those concepts actually going mass market because what people are saying that they want, they want a high graphical fidelity experience that's at least as good as the rectangle experiences that we're having on our monitors and on our phones. Right. And right now the experiences that you're getting in your headset and you're getting in these live VR experiences are about as good as 15 years ago in the rectangles that we're experiencing. So that needs to catch up. That is a hardware iteration and a hardware a revolution that needs to occur. And we're probably two to three generations away from the hardware catching up to make those Twitter spaces and looking at 3D avatars compelling. People don't want to look at a crappy looking cartoon version of you, Paul. They don't. They want to be in a cool cyberpunk looking city or futuristic city or something that looks hyper realistic, that looks triple A yeah. to them. Then they want to interact with you, Paul. We are multiple yeah. hardware generations away from that. And because we're multiple hardware generations away from that experience, I think it's going to be tough to get the hundreds of millions in here. We're going to continue to see that adoption curve go up as people like us that are metaverse curious are willing to go in there and look at weird cartoon avatars right. because we believe in the tech. But I'm sorry, my wife and my mom are not jumping in there until it looks great, sounds great, feels great, and it's only a for couple sure. hundred bucks for the hardware. For sure. That's the thing that I think we're, we're barreling down an innovation layer that may be actually happening, happening much, much faster. And the reason I was just looking at like this, you know, because this I think this references to what you're talking about was the response issues that were some of the hardware. And of course, Sharp came back in saying VR headsets. This was their big deal for CES coming out. Mm -hmm. um, and, and this was essentially going to fix some of the problems that MetaQuest is dealing with. Again, we're dealing with tech, much like what we were dealing with in the early age of the advanced mobile phones and devices, yeah. of getting to silicon that is going to be able to keep pace in which, with what we need in terms of hardware. Now, granted, getting away from hardware, if you look at just software applications and, and the way to kind of converge across that, I wanted to kind of showcase you know, a little bit about what Cavernous is doing. So you had Cavernous, um, I'm going to play this video. I'll talk over this so guys don't don't hit the audio. Uh, but th this essentially was a, a presentation that they did. And I think it starts to change a little bit more uh, around how we may see technology being utilized. Why not utilize tech like this, even if you looked at something like this for uh, Illuvium and started to look at, you know, accelerating what Cavernous has done to be able to create these open world integrations and still be at the same time, give yourself the ability to take those alluvials and all of what you guys have done in terms of IP and launch this into something that becomes, all right, now it's interesting. So it's just a tool set. So it, it deals with yeah. the scenario that we're talking about, which is software first. Uh, I think we're a lot closer on software um, because this stuff iterates so quickly. And then hardware which I think is getting really close because of the amount of dark money that's being pushed in right now. And I still think 
that when Meta, when, when Meta gets challenged by Apple, and they will, um, when that occurs, and that may occur within the next 12 months, when that occurs, I'm almost wondering if Meta right now is sandbagging a little bit because they've already released their, their plan for MetaQuest 3 uh, in 2023. Um, I'm just wondering if they're sandbagging a little bit, waiting for Apple to, to like come on out. I would be. That's the way I'd play this. It's too early, not enough adoption. When do mm. you sandbag? When nobody's playing. You don't sandbag when you're up against the A team. That's true. Um, I, I wonder if they are sandbagging. Uh, so they were running really hot on all of their spend. And Zuck knew that he needed to show something amazing in his last quarterly yeah. report to justify sure. all of the spending. And I watched every minute of all those presentations. God, my brain hurts afterwards. But I think they tried to pull out all the stops. They tried to spin everything in from a business standpoint to show how yeah. many developers are on board, how much economic activity was on board, and push an economic narrative around Meta about how successful the product is from a commercial standpoint. Nobody believed it because at the end of the day, they just went ahead and looked at the uh, bottom line of the publicly traded company to understand how much impact these headsets and this ecosystem is having on the bottom yeah. line. And it's a, it's a near zero impact sucking up $10 billion per year. So I yeah. don't think he sandbagged there. I think that he showed every card that he has that's ready to go to market right now. Obviously, right. he's got billions in research and development, and maybe some of those concepts will come to life in the future. But I think he showed all of his cards because he had to, because his reputation as a being a prudent CEO was on the line. He showed all his cards, he flipped them over, and it was like a seven deuce. The market did not <laughs> like it. It was not a good hand. Yeah. And so I yeah. think uh, Zuck is hoping that some of the innovations he's already developed, that he's already been working on, end up turning up and end up maybe being one of those innovations that pushes the platform forward that Apple doesn't know about, but they're not ready yeah. to go to market, maybe not even in the next generation. He's already revealed what's gonna happen in the next generation of his headsets with Oculus Quest and what have you. And it's basically right. gonna be, hey, what you guys experienced here with the Pro, you know, that stuff, but in the cheaper version, guys, sound good? Face tracking, that's cool, right? Yeah, face tracking's cool, but at the end of the day, you need compelling experiences. You need incredible games to get people in these experiences and to want to use totally them. Agree. Yeah. Um, I think that too many people overvalue social interactions as being a hook to get people to use new technology like this and to adopt. For example, you mentioned, mentioned Cavernous a minute ago. Look, there's hundreds of metaverse solutions out there. Some of them are high-end like Cavernous or not, but what you have to do is have a experience that pulls people in first and then the social interaction and the hub and the metaverse happens mm -hmm. second so take world of warcraft as a fantastic example in the web 2 revolution people go into the social hubs in world of warcraft to talk with each other and to interact with each other because world of warcraft is an extremely compelling video game first the video game came first they were hooked by the video game they were hooked by the engagements the progression of that video game then they decided to have social interactions with each other on through that platform, through things like hubs, chats, voice, guilds, right. et cetera. That's the big mistake everybody's making when they're thinking about metaverse right now. They're doing all these tech demos, everybody's building a platform, and they're hoping that it's a if we build it, then they'll come. What is the software experience that's going to get people on board? Nintendo Entertainment System 
ended up taking off way more so than previous generations of gaming consoles, just as an example, because it launched with Mario. Xbox took off because it launched with Halo. You need to have a piece of flagship interactive software, a video game that is ultra compelling, is a flagship intellectual property to take your pl- to take your platform to market. Look at Google Stadia. What did it launch with? Nothing. Where is it? Zero. Look at Amazon Luna. What did it launch with? Nothing. Where is it now? Zero. What is Meta's flagship video game? What is their flagship metaverse? If it's Horizon Worlds, they're bankrupt, bro. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think the key with Meta right now is that they have either one got a strategy to implicate or uh, implement some sort of acquisition model, which I think is probably going to be the route to take. And I don't know who that might look like or what that might look like, but they've got to get a web to uh, you know, game studio and really start to look at the ways that those things can be integrated. But I would, you know, I would counter on that when you think about Cavernous and, and just the solution that, that it really is being used with Vivi right now. Vivi mm-hmm. has been able to create a social community. It has been able to create this ramp. Now, granted, it's about collectibles. It's a different, little different style and shtick, but it has something that I think is very powerful and that is it creates this uh, not only community, but it starts to create communities that are growing based on bringing other people into those communities. Sure. And again, it's very approachable. It has all the tool sets of how you know, there's some on VVverse right there. Um, and we had, you know, we had uh, Carruthers on talking about this not too long ago about where this might go. There's some interesting things with this, and I think they might be onto something. I'm looking for this. I just wonder why would uh, Illuvium not partner with someone like Ready Player Me for avatars? Okay, really quick, that let me address like the VV thing. Let me address the VV okay. thing. So VV using Cavernous and what have you, uh, that makes sense. VV's got the most uh, compelling and the largest uh, kind of digital collectibles community out there. For sure. With some of the best sure. intellectual property in the world. They've got the top comic book properties, they've got Star Wars, and their community goes bananas for that. So they have compelling collectibles experience first, then they're layering the social bit on top after that. Check. All right, so I just want, that's the only point. So Vivi furthers the point I was just making, uh, and that community wants to join there. So as far as something like Ready Player Me, uh, and, uh, and Alluvium wanting to join, or wanting to maybe take on a solution like that, so right now, that doesn't fit, to my knowledge, with Alluvium strategy at the moment. So avatar strategy, obviously, we have Alluvatars coming up, and you have sure. a 2D avatar that will be used across Alluvium games and experiences. Alluvium's three games we're launching with, Alluvium Zero, Alluvium Arena, and Alluvium Overworld, are traditional video games that are going to be played on rectangles on PC, and obviously eventually on mobile, and they're going to be inside of rectangles. So we're doing a traditional avatar strategy to support, given that everything's on a rectangle right now, at least at launch. Now, if Alluvium launches a traditional, let's call it metaverse experience, this might be an option, something like Ready Player Me might be an option in the future once there's a platform that has adoption, maybe tens of millions of users. But something like Ready Player Me Um, has a 90% chance that it's not going to work out and it's going to go out of business just like every other startup. So in my opinion, um, you know, adopting any of these kind of early platforms like this and technologies are maybe a cool gamble. But Alluvium is basically taking a AAA kind of traditional gaming experience, adding and layering on top of that Web3 decentralized principles and Web3 economy. And that's that's the level of innovation that we're taking right now. 
if we decide to jump all the way in and go full-blown metaverse with this and try to dive into a space where no one has been successful with these yeah. 3D interactive social experiences, I feel like that's, that's a risk that Alluvium has not decided to take on yet. Is that something that we may want to do in the future? Absolutely it is. So Kieran has talked in countless interviews about our esports strategy, something I'll be really involved exactly. in, in probably yeah. leading for Alluvium. And we've discussed our tier five land, uh, which has yet to be sold, and having a 3D metaverse experience to experience esports tournaments in Alluvium through the tier five land in 3D with everybody sort of in a esports style stadium. That is the type of experience we've discussed having. And that's the type of experience that we're open to because it takes something that already exists. You know, esports ex experiences right now are not that compelling to watch on the internet. I know as an esports broadcaster, I produced esports videos for the top companies, the ESL, Blizzard, Activision. It's all on a freaking rectangle. And that's not as compelling as being in a 3D space in real life with a video game. And Without so if Alluvium were to take let's say Alluvium Games, the arena, put it in the center of a 3D space, have 100,000 people in a tier five land stadium around watching in that 3D space. AR, VR. That would right take there. the experience in AR, VR, mixed reality, whatever it may be. I'm not making promises on exactly what the tech's gonna be, but it would take the experience of watching esports on a rectangle and take it to a whole nother level. Do you remember what I mentioned a moment ago, where the opportunities are in the metaverse, Paul? They're at yep. the intersection of live and gaming. That the concept I just I gave you is, is, is the it, intersection it, it, of both of those things. Exactly, and it gives you a exactly. new novel experience to have with a video game, as opposed to just another freaking rectangle with fancy graphics. Yeah, and I think this is something that we'll continue to see evolve. But the, the thing, back to your point, is that to me, that, that I think is the future of where we're going to see Web3 gaming going. I don't necessarily believe Web3 game is going to transplant Web2. It just needs to have that extra component in there. And it needs to have that utility aspect to it that obviously are NFT related, obviously are Web3 related, but more importantly is the experience that we just talked about. All right, so I want to take a break and thank our sponsor. That is Ocean Crawler Watches. If you guys don't know, I'm a big watch fan. I love to collect watches and I actually own an ocean crawler, crawler. And it's one of those that when you look at the dive business, this is probably one of the iconic watches out there. Now they have a whole array of things. The ones I like are kind of interesting because you know me, I'm a Bitcoin guy. So I love to look at what I think is their Bitcoin watch. And that is their ocean crawler Paladino, which is the Wavemaker V2. Uh, you can do pre-order on these right now. Uh, there's a really cool offer that they've given just to our audience, and that is a $150 discount. So all you have to use, uh, do is use our link in the description of the video below or the podcast. If you're listening to this, you don't may not get a chance to see these beautiful watches, but uh, use the link. It'll take you to their website. Just use the code Baron, and that will give you uh, the discount code. So all you have to do is do that. You're in like Flint and... Uh, Make sure and uh, let them know we sent you. This is a report that got into the percentage of consumers. And this, again, is looking at a certain uh, demographic who are familiar with and have positive feelings for immersive tech. And mm. I've continued to see these kinds of numbers surprise me in the aspect of people kind of starting to look at metaverse as a potential here. Because, again, I really, you know, six months ago, I was looking at this being a 10-year window. 
Then I started seeing these things roll out from Meta. I look at the technology from a software application. I think about the use case scenario, back to what we're talking about. And then you say, all right, well, is the audience there and is the emerging audience there, Gen Z, which is really going to be the ones that do this? Um, I think they are. I think it's just a matter of if we can get the tool set there. The software, I feel, is very close. And I think we're close to the next revolution here that is really going to change a, a lot of what we're looking at. Here was another one right here on this. Yeah, so this one was percentage of consumers. Immersive experience might be impactful and, get, and valuable. Right there, during product and service selection. Huge. So again, this gets back into how the use case can be implemented into the metaverse. I think there it is. During product and usage support, also high. And then during the actual consideration phase. So again, these kind of scenarios, granted, I don't know how much they put behind this research, but the point that they've put research behind this at all, and we may actually see something that's of value really starting to evolve here. I want to jump over to the, um, you know, the overworld. So I, I know you guys have a lot going on. You know, first of all, graphics, mm -hmm. amazing. Uh, I think you guys kind of hit it there. Again, I, I still argue the point of a game from, you know, a Web3, a blockchain game like Alluvium, it needs that additional pump. And I feel like whether that's mixed reality or some sort of integration that has immersive tech, I feel like that is, I mean, you can either skate to where the puck was five minutes ago, or you can skate to the where the puck is going to be, you know, five minutes from now. That's the difference between winning and losing. That's a great. I love that. Thing. That's that's great. <laughs> um, so uh, so there's a couple different concerns here. So so should something like Alluvium Overworld be in the in a 3D immersive space in VR, AR, what have you? Yeah. Experiences like this need to be developed from the ground up to support those technologies and to be a truly compelling experience. If we look at the most successful VR game that's out right now, Beat Saber, Beat Saber yeah. is successful because it, uh, because it actually was designed for VR first before any other platform. And it's designed to take advantage of the rudimentary technology that's available through controller tech and uh, you know, uh, being able to sense where the positioning of your arms are. And so the question that you just asked is, well, shouldn't Alluvium or let's say any other studio that's trying to create a AAA game take advantage of AR and VR tech? In my opinion, no, no, they should not right now. Uh, we, I'm sorry, we don't even have tens of millions of potential customers here. This space is so incredibly early. Uh, it just is. And people that yeah. buy headsets, this data shows that they buy the headset and then they don't use it. And so what you have to do if you're going to design an incredible VR, AR experience, it needs to be designed from the ground up to be that experience. The development studios that create those experiences for the first time, the first AAA metaverse experiences, the first AAA VR experiences, which don't exist yet, will have to take extra development time to figure out how to do that for the first time for everyone else. You're looking at three, five, seven year development timelines to get products like that out. So could Alluvium create such experiences in the future? You bet. Yeah. If that's the cutting edge of technology, absolutely. But right now, you're creating tech, you're creating an experience for customers that don't exist on hardware that's not ready to be AAA yet. So for me, it doesn't make sense strategically. Sorry. Yeah. Well, I was looking at the just the rundown here because again, it goes back to what's happening right now. You've got MetaQuest coming out here with Population One. You know, this is a a big one that starts to play into it. 
right after that. We just showed some Among Us uh, clip right there, one of the biggest games ever coming to MetaQuest. Um, this is going to come in VR. All right, and then you got Biggie coming over here. I mean, he's jumping in with, you know, a full-on... Let me highlight that out because this is something... <laughs> I don't know that there's going to be anything, but the point is is that artistic elements are starting to make their wor way in there yeah. as well. Now, this is all good. These are all the kind of things that we want to see. You and I both want to see these kinds of integrations because it starts to stretch the boundaries of creativity. Absolutely. And also use, and also use case because this gets back to your point and that's going to be adoption. Um, I'm still on the fence as to whether or not what that real market, you know, the addressable market really is right now. I'm sure that there are guys out there and people out there in Meta's team, Apple's team, Google's team that, you know, these are geeks that are really tied into what is happening out there in the marketplace and where this might be going. A lot of it is probably being developed right now. I'm surprised that we haven't seen movement from Sony just with the amount of data they're collecting from Nintendo around this because that to me is, is another area. You're collecting all this data of, a, of an emerging population, Gen Z, that is playing in a way and in a fashion in which they're looking for these new experiences. If somebody drops into these, especially with the amount of data that's being collected, I don't know. We might be in, into something uh, very interesting. Here's some charts. Uh, VR chat. Look at that. Number 58. I was surprised that VR chat was in here. Top games. Number 58 you know. on what? So Just this top is games on in the terms top, of Steam? Top games by current play. Yeah, on Steam charts. Yeah. And I was surprised that this was there. So uh, not surprised. I shouldn't say that. I mean, in reality. Yeah, I know the answer why about. that. I know the answer why that that's the case. Okay, what is, with VR why chat. is it there? It's why really it simple. So I used to do trend analysis and I'm a nerd like you. I did this, I created, I did talks on this. So the question is like, why, why is VR chat a top game? And it's the same reason why just chatting is the number one game on Twitch. Uh, so basically, um, over the last 10 years, we saw the merger of live on top of gaming. And right. that gave a new novel experience. However, midway through last decade, it stopped being so novel watching people play video games on the internet. It just kind of became normal. And then you got tens of millions of people doing it. And then people started getting bored. So what does the user want? What does the viewer want? They need infinity content in order for yeah. live streams to thrive. Okay, so great live streaming video games have three components that help them get towards tons of content, but not infinity content. The tons of content formula is have multiplayer, have modding, have PVP, and have regular updates. And if you have all of those things, you are Minecraft, you are Grand Theft Auto, you're the games right. that have tons of content, but not infinity content. But Paul, no. let's do some quick math here. What's better than tons of content? Infinity content. And no. so how do you get infinity content? Social interactions with people. So just no. chatting, I made the call five years ago, that on Twitch, the number one game on Twitch would be just chatting. It is just now 17% of Twitch, and it yep. will continue to take more and more market share. So when we look at video games, what's gonna happen there? Well, it's hard to make a video game that has modding and PVP and multiplayer yep. and all these things to keep people hooked. But if you create a social experience like VR chat, that's infinity content that you can play yep. every day. And so that's the formula. That's why it's blowing up. And so I think social games, let's call it, will have a larger and larger place uh, in the top charts in terms of gaming. But VR chat isn't just a chat. It's, 
it's it's very gaming esque and it's very gamer yes. friendly. And there are For gaming sure. aspects to it that make it a compelling experience that's funny and hilarious to watch people. And people gamify their interactions <laughs> yeah. with each other with voice no changers and they turn it into this meta social game. So the point there is people, what it, the next big thing or the biggest thing will always be what gets you closer to infinity content potential. Social interactions currently is the most infinity uh, because humans yeah. obviously are most interested in looking at each other's faces. Everybody out there is watching our faces right now, right? Yeah, yeah. No, I totally agree. I mean, if I think we we have come to a conclusion here is that we both have the a lot of similarities and agreements around where this is all uh, cycling in, into. I think for me, it just boils down to one thing. I think there's a lot more money at work than we know. And I think there's a lot more uh, curiosity at work than we know. And and this is kind of why, you know, I look back and I mentioned it earlier to the, you know, kind of the comparison of how Apple dropped the bomb when they dropped the iPhone. You know, it just didn't come out of the blue. They had a lot of data that was was starting to send them the signals that they needed. And I think that's, when you look at just this VR chat, I was this right here, playing, playing an hour ago. So 24-hour peak, all-time high. You can see that. It's all up and to the right, uh, all the way back from 2018. And now here we are into these kind of scenarios. And I just think we're going to be looking at this in a year from now, whether Zuckerberg is pulling the best fake of all, or if Tim is pulling the best dark you know, release of something that we've ever seen, and it's going to create the next evolution of Apple because Apple's in trouble right now. We all know it. They're in trouble. They're going to lose, they're going to lose the App Store uh, monopoly. They're going to lose this control and stranglehold on the creator, and the device system is going to start to break down. That means Apple has to have another cash cap. So do you think it's going anyway. to be their AR? Do you think it's going to be their AR VR glasses then? So my anticipation, I want you to be on the record, Paul. What is your anticipation of what you think that product will be like? Personally, I think they're going to launch the um, Apple Watch on your uh -huh. face. That's going to be generation one. one. It's going to be Apple Watch on your face. It's going to be elegant. It's going to be beautifully designed. It's going to be really, really good tech. It's going to be pricey, but it's going to be Apple Watch on your face. And then maybe three or four generations down the road, it will, just like the iPhone, it will go from being that initial concept to what iPhone 4 became, which is the juggernaut that dominated the world. So I think yeah, that difference. we're going to start really slim and trim and simple uh, at first, and then they're going to be really counting on the development community to develop apps specifically for that hardware, and that's going to well, propel it, it like the iPhone into infinity. Yes. Yeah, it may that could be the track. I, I would agree. I think it's going to be that that element in terms of uh, some sort of mixed reality glass system, uh, or or device that could be something even beyond that. And and I've had kind of conversations with this many uh, technologists from Silicon Valley talking about what this might end up looking like, meaning something as like an over the earpiece that has no facial element and has the ability to work within. Uh, possibly doing, whether it's holographic or some sort of, of uh, integration into, we won't go there, but, but the integration maybe into our heads, which will be interesting because obviously we know where that's going, you know, if you think about what Elon's doing. Uh, so it could change a lot of where now we're talking about being plugged in without being plugged in kind of thing, you know, so. I'm okay with that. Okay, so if Apple pulls out something like that, I was game. so wrong. Okay. And then that is an iPhone moment that blows away the industry. If they do, if they have innovation, innovative technology that uh, 
isn't just a pair of glasses with an overlay, which is what the yeah. market is expecting. I would hope that that is not the case because that if that is the case, it may take us longer just because of the device elements. Now, granted, we could see you know, a flyer come out of the development community, especially in the Apple ecosystem, that creates you know, the next just barnstormer use case uh, for that utility aspect-wise, social integration, the Instagram, uh, TikTok version, live streaming element that could change that very quickly and, and become an overnight sensation. That's a very good possibility. There's a lot there. Andrew, I know we could go on this for quite some time. It's been fun today. I always love chopping it up with you. Thank you so much for stopping in. We appreciate it. Always pleasure to be here. Thanks for having me, Paul. You bet. All right, so you guys are tuned in over. I know this went a little bit long, but you guys are over on the podcast side of things. You just missed a graphic bonanza. We got a chance to dive into Alluvium's new look on their beta. Uh, and if you guys are you know, interested, I would su suggest you know start reaching out Take a look, get into that ecosystem there on Alluvium. Take a look at that. Uh, they're not sponsored of this show, just so everybody knows we don't shill those kind of things. So the idea behind what we're doing here is hopefully educating you on where the future of technology is going. That's the main focus of what we want to do. One of the ways we do that is we ask you to join the Diamond Circle. And the Diamond Circle is a free and easy thing to do. All you got to do is just subscribe. We send you a couple emails. That way you can keep up with all of this stuff because it's traveling really at light speed right now. If you guys want to reach me, it is out there on Twitter, at Paul Barron. We'll catch you next time right here on Metaverse Insider.